I'm Lynn Lowry, and I am so pleased to be here and speaking with Scott Guider for the interview that he's about to do. I hope that you enjoy it and it gets to answer some of the questions that you might have about me and my career. And so you better enjoy it. And boys must be punished or they will never learn. Stick out your goddamn tongue, sweetie. All of it. I taken me no choice. They started something they can't stop. The crazy. We're all concerned with Evan City, Mr. Hawks. If we have to push the button, would you say the weapon went off? Get me the president. 3,614 people are trapped by an unknown enemy. Five are on the run. Can they escape the spreading fury of the crazy? We can make it. I know it. Watch it, Bucky! This is exactly the kind of thing we're trying to prevent! A lethal terror snowballs into hell. The crazy! Rated off. First thing I want to start with, mm-hmm. I'm sure everybody has asked you about it. It's The Crazies in 1973. Now, okay. I watched this film. I love this film. You know, and the remake, of course, is a different era. They could have done little different things with it, but this one will still always be an iconic horror favorite. Now, your experiences with George A. Romero, that's the one question. And in, and second question is, how did you even get involved in The Crazies? Well, um, to answer the second part first, um, there was um, there was an ad in the paper in New York. I think it was backstage, and they were looking for actresses. And so I went on an audition for it, and I think I met Lane Carroll. She actually Lane was the casting director okay, Judy. for it. Yeah. And uh, so I think I met with her first, and just, you know they auditioned me, and then they they called me back, and I believe I did actually audition for George. I think about the third time that I came in, and then of course we we learned the, the news eventually that Lane was um, was um, Lee Hessel's girlfriend, who was okay. you know producing the film which I imagine is the reason that she, you know, played the part, although I thought she was actually very good in the role. Yep. You know, it's funny because I, I, I've seen the movie maybe in entirely, I've seen it maybe three or four times over the years, and I don't know, I, I never really thought that Lane had a whole lot of emotion in her face and stuff. Right. But the last time, the last two times I saw the film... I saw it all the way through to the very end. And I have to say that that scene with her where she's walled up in those bricks, yeah. that really got to me. I thought she was excellent in that part. So uh, I was actually changed in my mind about um, about her, and I think she was really quite wonderful. So anyway, they, they cast me in the, in the part from going on an audition for it. Wow. So. You know, now may I ask you a question? Now, obviously, when you, when you made this film back then, when did when did you get really linked to the film as far as the horror conventions? Oh, I, that didn't happen until probably two thousand four. Okay, yeah, that's about right. I never, yeah, I never. Um, I came out to Los Angeles. Um, and I never even told anyone out here that I was in. The crazies, I drink your blood or shivers. Right. Uh, because the theater group that I was with out here, they they weren't impressed with you being in horror films, and the casting directors out here just wanted to know what your last sitcom, you know, or something was. So I never really realized the power and strength that those uh, movies had. 
So I never, you know, until um, I guess it was when uh, David Gregory contacted me and told me that he was doing um, uh, that they, that Blue Underground was bringing the crazies out, and he wanted to know if I would, you know, do this um, fourteen minutes. Uh, the legacy of Lynn Lowry, the cult legacy of Lynn Lowry. And I started thinking, wow, really? You know? And, you know, and then Bob Morosky called me and, and said, um, uh, he said, oh, is this Lynn Lowry from I Drink Your Blood? I saw, I saw your ad. I'm actually a, a physical and massage therapist, and I had an ad running in the Tabucan. And he called me and, and asked me that, and I was like, yeah, and he said, oh, my God, I've seen you movie like 25 times, you know, and I almost hung up on him because I thought, this guy's weird. <laughs> and he said, you know, I, you know, I'm the editor of, of Spider-Man, and, you know, and it's one of my all-time favorite films, and I I located David Durston, and we're going to put the whole film back together again, you know, the uncut version, and we'd love for, you know, to do an interview. And I just thought, really? <laughs> you know? And then I, then I went into the computer and I typed in my name just to see if there would be any information on me. Oh, yeah. And, you know, <laughs> there was like, I don't know, 30 pages of stuff. And I was just amazed. I, I totally had no idea what kind of fan base I had or, or anything like that. And then shortly after that, I started getting invited to the conventions and then started pursuing it myself. Excellent. You know, it, when I mean, you found out yourself, I mean, it, I, you know, I, I don't know when the horror conventions that's really that started, but they're really big now. And I think that horror, horror conventions now brings out popularity in you and other f- actors and actresses and directors from the back of the day that they're such iconic figures that you like you said you had no idea but it's amazing right. how how I'm old school I'm a big 80s horror 80s film lover I mean it, I grew up in the 80s so you know in the late 70s but you know it just I went to uh, horror find it's in Gettysburg for the past two years or sure. Labor Day weekend and I've, yeah, been, I've, just, I've been to horror find I wish you would come this year yeah Love I'd to love to come again. We'll, we'll see. see. That won't, won't happen this year, but yeah. I just I just went to Texas Frightmare. Okay. And I, I was at Horror Hound um, before that in March. Okay. Uh, and actually, Marilyn, it was funny that you said that because Marilyn Burns was yes. um, at Horror Hound, you know, and uh, and I said, you know, um, I said, you know, wow, Marilyn, you know. I, I loved you in that movie, and she said, "Did you see that old thing?" <laughs> I said, "I said, did the Texas Chainsaw Massacre?" Yeah, I said, "I think I've seen it about ten times." Yep. And she said, "Oh my God, really?" She said, "I thought no one would ever see that. I, I'm I'm just amazed if anyone's ever even seen that or knows me from it." Yep. You know, and it was actually just you know the same kind of thing that, that I felt, you know, and I thought it was so funny, you know, hearing it from her, mm-hmm. and I was such a big fan of her and that film. Right. So, it's amazing. Yeah. But you have, you have another film from the late 70s. Um, if I'm mistaken, it's originally called Shivers, and it was changed to They Came From Within in 75, a David Cronenberg film. Right. Now, what was your experience like in this one? I mean, compared to well, Crazies. Well, for, first of all, it was called The Parasite Murders. Okay. And then it was called They Came From Within. That's right. And then they changed it to Shivers. Okay. So it had like three different different titles. Um, you know, it's funny. It's I mean, the experience obviously was completely different because I was in Canada, uh, in Montreal, you know, working with, you know, in a completely different arena but there were there actually were a number of similarities between Romero and Cronenberg in that you know I think the crazies was George's third or fourth film I think right something like that and this of course was Cronenberg's first but there was um 
there, there was an innocence um, about uh, both of them, uh, a kind of a purity and an and art, you know, to do something that they just loved, you know, so much that, you know, I found that, that both of them had that, and that was really, a, you know, a highlight, you know, of working with them. Right. Um, you know, they were both extremely um, patient and wonderful to the actors. Uh, I don't think I ever saw David or George ever lose their temper or get, you know, upset in front of the cast. I mean, they, they might have, you know, been that way with right. the crew or by themselves. But, you know, they were both, you know, just complete gentlemen and... Um, you know, listen to our suggestions and, you know, most of the time actually went with them. I mean, I think they cast the films pretty well and so they usually let us pretty much do what we felt that that character would do. Okay. I don't think David ever really argued with me or discussed anything with me other than just letting me do my thing. And the only thing that George and I ever discussed was the death scene in The Crazies, which uh, we didn't discuss at length because obviously I'm going to do what the director wants. Right. But, uh, you know, I wanted to, I wanted the big death scene. You know, the, I thought, oh, she's going to get shot by, by these um, soldiers and she's going to, you know, die and grab one of their legs and they're going to kick her off and <laughs> shoot her again and she's going to scream and crawl and you know and all that you know big dramatic stuff that every actress wants to do and when he told me that he just wanted me to you know say oh I just thought oh my god that's so lame <laughs> but of course now after seeing it you know in retrospect I realized that you couldn't really, after everything you've seen in the film, after the rape scene with the father, you really couldn't do anything that would be bigger than that. That that was so strong and, and such the right choice to make. So, again, such an innocence uh, about her predicament and the confusion and just, just the beauty about that moment that he was just so right on. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's that's one heck of a, of a resume you have there. You I mean you, Georgia Romero and Cronenberg. I mean, the way Cronenberg is today. I mean, that's a heck of a resume. Yeah. You know. I know. I wish that uh, George and David didn't work so much in Canada. Yeah. Because I've actually uh, keep in touch with both of them, and um, I really do think that they would probably use me again if they didn't work in Canada and the unions and the laws and all that were so complicated. Yes, uh, I heard that's that. A disappointment about that, but at least you know they're in touch. I mean, George, I I emailed George and asked him if he'd seen the new crazies and all, and he emailed me back, you know, immediately, you know, and said. He said, I have two problems with the new version of The Crazies. Number one, they didn't give you a big enough part. And number <laughs> I two, agree. I agree. And number two, it wasn't political enough for me. <laughs> and, um, you know, and so that was just so sweet of him, you know, yep. to to get back to me like that. Well, it's true, you know. Now, we're going to do a flashback into flashback, I mean, not flashback, we're going to go right into the 80s. Now, Cat People in 82, and I can remember watching this as a kid, I was 13. Um, my, my mom wasn't very happy about me watching it at that young age, because you know how back in the 80s, it's different than, than, than today. But your experiences yeah. with Paul Schrader, Cat People in 82, now what was that experience like? Um, that was not a good experience. Um, that was probably my least favorite director that I've ever worked with in my entire career. Uh, you know, not again to take anything away from his brilliance and everything that he's done, but um, he, in my opinion, was uh, very insensitive. Um, he, I mean, my first experience, well, my, my first experience with him wasn't so bad at the audition. Right because I actually blew him away at the audition because he, you know, he they gave me the scene 
and I and I said, um, do you do you want me to do this in your office? I mean, like, do you want me to do it full out the way I would really do it? You know, and you know, I I come across kind of quiet and mild and all that, you know. And they were like, yeah, go ahead. You know? <laughs> and so you know, they had no idea of you know my power and my you know strength and all that. So. I mean, I did the whole thing um, and crawled out their office door, you know, into the waiting room area where all the secretaries and people were, and they were just all sitting out there with their mouths open, you know, and they they applauded me when I crawled out. So I think they were pretty impressed, you know, by that. Right. Uh, but my first day on the set, you know, with, um, with Paul, the makeup people were... They were trying to do complete body makeup, and they kept me in the chair. You know, they kept calling for me on the set and calling for me on the set, and I kept telling the makeup people I needed to go, and they wouldn't let me go. And finally, when I got on the set, you know, Paul Schrader, you know, said something like, oh, so you finally decided to grace us with your presence. You know, like it was, you know, all my fault. And, you know, if it, that happened to me now, you know, I would just say, hey, you know, uh, this this is what happened, man. But, you know, at that point, I was just, like, kind of overwhelmed and, right. you know, so. And then he was very, uh, very brusque, uh, you know, his directions, uh, you know, very fast. And I'm pretty quick. I mean, I pick up things pretty quick, but. You know, his, you know, what he wanted, he was just so, you know, like, you know, step into the room, hit that mark, turn your face, you know, three quarters this way, be sure you get that light, you know, get here at this moment, get here at that line, be sure you sit there, you know, you know, on and on and on, you were just kind of like, you know, and then he just expected you to do it. Right. Um, I mean, the only, the only good thing about it, and I don't think anybody really knows this, but I brought in several of the lines that are in that scene, and um, uh, kind of ad-libs and I'd actually I uh, had written them okay. and I brought them in and kind of acted like I made them up as I was kind of doing it and Paul loved them and told me to keep them so that, that actually that whole scene he really did not write okay he wrote some of it but not not all of it yeah. and then they couldn't get the cats paw to work and I kept having to fall on my knee I mean I must have fallen on my knee where that mechanical cat paw was going to grab my leg under the bed. Right, right. I probably did that. I don't know how many times. My knee was like swollen, bruised, um, black and blue. Finally, they brought a crew person in, put a cat paw on him, and put him under the bed. Okay. He grabbed grabbed my leg. And then we got to the stairs. They couldn't get the shots. Went down the stairs. They didn't take the nails out of the stairs. Got, oh, my got God. Got all cut up. was bleeding. They had to take me for a tetanus shot. Um, the stunt coordinator did not work with me. Um, they couldn't get the bra to pop. You know, Paul had to have every woman's tits, you know, show in the movie at least once. Ugh. They couldn't get the bra to pop, so I kept having to go up to the top of the stairs and fall down them again. You know, I, I was rug burned. I mean, just black and blue. You know, again and again and again doing doing it. And then they called me like two days later and, and said I needed to come back. And I said, Look, I really I can't fall down the stairs again. I can hardly walk. Right. And I'm really hurt. And they said, Oh no no, we just want to get your close up at the bottom of the stairs where you're screaming. And so I went back, and then they said, oh, we're so sorry, Lynn, but we, we lied to you. We, we need you to fall down the stairs again. Oh and I said, God. well, I said, look, um, first of all, I said, I was told that because I was doing the stunt that I'm supposed to get stunt pay as well as acting pay, which they weren't going to give me. Bah. And so uh, they realized that then I knew the scoop so then they had to do that. Right. And then I, I said, secondly, I'm going to, I want to be padded. You know, I can't, I said, look at me, you know, really, seriously, I'm, ble- I'm you know, I'm right. cut up. 
So, and I said, and you know what? If, it, if the padding doesn't work, I want more money if I'm going to have to fall down these stairs again. Exactly right. So, the padding did not work. This, of course, was the last scene in this location. And they were like, you know, had to move to the next location before they lost the light. You know, it's always that way. Yeah. And there I am, you know, saying, no, I'm not going to do it again unless I get paid more. And Paul Schrader was livid. <laughs> so, we, we, you know, we didn't, hit, we didn't hit it off at all, you know. And, I mean, I'm just the nicest person in the world to work with. But I just felt like I had been really taken advantage of here. And so they finally made a deal with me, and um, and and I fell down the stairs one last time, and they, I guess they finally got the shot. So that was my, my experience with uh, Mr. Schrader. Of course, the film is gorgeous, and yeah. I'm... You know, and my scene's one of the scariest scenes, yep. I think, in the movie. Yep. So, I mean, I'm thrilled I'm in it. It's um, a lot of heartache. It, it was difficult, yes. Well, that's a very interesting story. Now, I'm, I'm going to um, move to 2007. This film here I reviewed is by Richard Griffin, Splatter Disco in 2007. Now, this is the second film that I've seen you in. I mean, third film, and I loved Splatter Disco. Um, mm-hmm. Now, this is a smaller role for you. You played Alma. You played the, uh, if I'm mistaken, it was the, was it the mayor's son? I mean, mayor's mom, right? The mayor's mom, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm good friends with um, the mayor himself, William DeCoff. Yes. Right. And I talked to him about your experiences with you, and he just adores you. But, uh, of course, then again, who wouldn't? But your experiences with Splatter Disco. Now, how is that with Ken Foray and Mr. Dawn of the Dead? Well, um, I actually didn't get to do any scenes with Ken. Um, uh, the, the funny thing about Splatter Disco was um, it was actually the first feature. Well, no, actually, I had done, I think, uh, I did a short with Ken Hall before that. Right. Uh, but but Splatter Disco was kind of like my comeback sort of film in a way. Right. It was really the first thing that, that I had done in quite a while, and um, it it actually uh, it, the part had been written and cast with Mary Warrenoff. Yeah. And Mary and I were uh, at that point we were actually we're still friends, uh, but we've kind of lost touch again. But we were actually working on an idea that we had together. And she was going to do the part, but she had this big vacation planned where she was going to go and see the icebergs and, um, you know, something like that, and she couldn't do it. So she recommended me to Richard, who knew my work, and um, and they just, you know, loved having me. They were a little bit worried, though. Richard told me, he said, you know, we've only ever seen you do very sort of meek, you know, on like you know victim people you know and I'm laughing to myself you know because I mean I've I've had you know 50 years of theater work and played every demon and you know any part you can think of I've played and um, so you know it was it was great fun and William was wonderful I mean he was um, he was just delightful to work with and and Richard was great, and um, and Ted, who produced it, along yep. with Richard, was you know, yep. they were wonderful. So it was a it was a great experience. And my God, you know, they give them the entire, you know, city of Rhode Island, you know, to do anything they want. Yep. You know, it's like, oh yeah, we need the council hall at the, you know, the government office. Yeah, when <laughs> you need it, you know, yeah. and they just like hand it to them, you know, and. So we had a lot of production value that otherwise that kind of a film wouldn't have. Right. I love that film. But, but I have to say that Paige Davis um, from Pop Cinema, um, she was um, kind of my liaison, you know, who really hired me for the role. Um, and, uh, and she was just wonderful. I mean, they put me in a beautiful suite and... You know, when I when I got there, there was fruit and wine and cheese, and they just treated me like a little princess. Oh, and so it was a delightful experience. As you should. 
The next film I have not seen yet, but I interviewed the beautiful, lovely Michelle Tomlinson in the uh-huh. movie George's Intervention in 2009. How was J.T. Seaton and your experience with this film? Well, J.T. and I are great friends. Um, we not only did um, George, but we also did Divination, which yes. is a short that's now playing a lot of festivals. It's won several awards. Um, I was nominated for Best Actress, I think, at the Indianapolis uh, Film Festival. Wow, congratulations. Uh, I, did, I didn't win, but, but I was nominated. you still nominated, nominated exactly right. Same I, difference. And, you know, and I did win, actually, Best Actress for um, uh, George at the White uh, Fever, no, wait, the Yellow Fever Film Festival in Ireland. Oh, wow. I won Best Actress for that. And then and then JT gave me uh, a Lifetime Achievement Award last year at the, um, at the New Orleans Horror Film Festival. Excellent. So... J, JT and I hang out quite a bit. We, you know, we go out. We, you know, he comes over. We have pizza. We, you know, talk about stuff. And, cool. uh, and he's great. I mean, I, I really think he's got a big talent, and um, I think he's going to, to do something. Uh, we have another project right now, which I'm, he probably wouldn't want me to mention yet, but. Actually, we have two projects that we're working on right now that we're hoping to, to make happen. I would love to work with, with JT in, in any aspect. Um, Divination was a difficult shoot because we did the whole thing in two days. Oh, and wow. And so it was like 16-hour days. Um, my, my role was very, very um, draining. Um, not, I mean, not for me, but... Anybody else who sees it, you know, for me, like with that in two days, they might think, "Wow, that's you know pretty intense." Right. But um, but yeah, it was a great great experience working with him, and I just adore him, and just can't wait to work with him again. And I can't wait to see that film. I have to get my button gear and get that watched. Now, there's a film that I mentioned to you off the air that I've used the audio clip in my podcast. Now, you you had a small part in this, but the lines that you had to me, are memorable. Basement Jack in 2009. I absolutely, believe it or not, I love this film. This is like an old school throwback to the 80s with the Michael Myers and and that kind of a slasher type deal, but a different storyline. What was your experience like with Michael Shelton? Um, Michael and I got along great. Um, You know, it was um, it was a a very interesting role that they presented me with and I actually was a little bit um, not not scared because I mean I knew I would find her but I wasn't sure who she was I fortunately have never had an experience like that right you know with a mother who tortures her you know child right and um so I, you know, I've worked on the script, I learned the lines, but honestly, I didn't know what was going to come out when I got on set, which I don't usually do. I usually have a pretty good idea right. what I'm going to be doing. Uh, the only thing I knew for sure was that I wanted to not make her just a horrible monster, but I wanted to show how was and that she was really mentally uh, ill you know not that that redeemed her in any way or made her likable (laughs) but but it gave me um, it gave me a transition so that I could go from being like uh, this sort of loving mom to suddenly being this monster and that one particular line that really was the definition of her character because I, I think I, I think I flipped her three times in that line. Wow! Um, so that you know, the first, um, I think I said, you know, uh, open your god. Well, I know I said open your goddamn mouth. <laughs> and then oh, and then and then I said, uh, sweetie. I think I said all of it. Yep. And then, and then sweetie, uh-huh. you know. So it was like. 
a three-way flip. And uh, I, I love doing stuff like that because yeah. I was raised in theater doing schizophrenic women from Tennessee Williams. Okay. So I, I love, you know, finding that kind of schizophrenic values if I can. And, and Michael was wonderful. I mean, again, Michael told me, he said, you know, then he said every time that, you know, your book, your book to come on the set, I, I have a big sigh of relief because I know that you're going to know exactly what to do and I'm not going to have to, you know, worry about it or, you know. And, I, and a couple of times, you know, I asked him, you know, I said, you know, was, was that okay? Was, was that what you needed? And he said, he said, Lynn, if it's, if it's not what I need or what I love, I'll tell you. And actually, he never, ever told me, <laughs> you know, anything. So I think pretty much I captured the, the character and the funniest thing to me was that the crew, the makeup people and costume people especially, um, they were all kind of scared of me. Um, and and then I heard them, you know, after I had worked with all of them for like a day, you know, I heard them kind of whispering, you know, and I would hear them go, "How she's so sweet. How can she play somebody like that? And to me, that was that's the biggest compliment yes, that is. you can pay an actor. Yes, you know that you can you can do that flip, you know, into Versatile. somebody that is that monstrous, Versatile, Versatile genius. Yeah, so I, lo- I love that movie. I just I wish that it had gotten more publicity. Yeah, me I think too. it's an excellent film, so and I, I just don't understand why more people don't, you know, know it and see it. Hardly no one at the conventions. Never mentions it. Ever seen it or heard of it? Wow! And I'm always like, you know, I have them for sale. I'm always pushing it, and people just don't—they uh, don't know what it is. And I just think, wow, you know, what happened here? Yeah, that's the way that—that's that's the way it works. You know, a lot of some films just doesn't seem to get above the cuff. But then who knows, Lynn? I mean, five years from now, all of a sudden, it's going to be this. Oh, did you see Basement Jack? I mean, you never know. You never know. You know, I think I think it will actually uh, become a well-known film at some point. Mm-hmm. And the little boy too, Kyle. He was great to work with. We got along just great, and good. You know, and, and everybody was wonderful. I mean, Eric was wonderful, and of course, Eric was always in character, right? Which I I didn't realize at first. Like, I went up, like, you know, one day, and I went, Hey, Eric, take a picture with us. You know, and he's, like, looking at me, you know, through his black hair hanging all over his face and everything. And, <laughs> you know, and he did take the picture, but, you know, he just never, you know, um, participated, you know, at all. And then it suddenly dawned on me, you know, I thought, Oh, he's, like, he's, like, totally into the character kind of actor <laughs> where you can't, speak to anyone else or, you know, you break that persona, you know, which I'm not like that. It's like, yeah, let's do the character and be mean and then I can be nice and, you know. But everybody works their own way and I respect that. Well, I like that film and and like I said, I can see it finally popping out in the next five years. I hope so. They deserve it. Especially Michael. I love for him. He hasn't done anything else directly directing wise has he? I I don't think so. I haven't uh, Yeah. Yeah. Well the next film that I want to talk to you about, you had a small stint, but it is a remake. It's the crazies in two thousand ten. And uh-huh. I agree with George A. Romero. That's my first thought when I saw this is Lynn needed a bigger part. But you played the uh Mysterious woman on the bike. <laughs> yeah, creepy woman on the bike, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that and movie. You creepy. <laughs> it was. I it watched like it the other haunting. day. Yeah. A haunting little scene. You know? <laughs> you know, you know, my feeling, Scott, is that they don't want to give someone who is in the original a right. major part because it, takes it, away it from continually the movie. reminds the audience of the original. Exactly. And uh, and obviously you don't want to be continually compared to what George Romero did. So right. you know they they didn't even have my character or my father's character in the remake. I mean we were completely cut. Right. From it. You know, and I talked to Breck 
you know, about it. And he, he told me that they had asked him or somebody had asked him if they were going to do the Lynn Lowry father, you know, rape, all that stuff, you know, and he said, oh, no. <laughs> oh, we're, we're not going to. We're not going to touch, you know, any of that that stuff, you know, now. So, you know, I thought the film was really entertaining, and um, and 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 they also treated me extremely well, except that they didn't actually give me. This was so funny. They didn't tell me what I needed to learn. So when I got to the set the night before, I had like a five a.m. call. And I got a phone call from the production assistant or whoever, you know, asking me if I was all prepared to do the song. And I said, what? (laughs) I said, no, no one told me about a song. I don't have a song. You know, and I'm thinking to myself, $21 million budget and nobody told me I need to learn a song to sing? So they're like, oh, oh no, oh yeah, you have to be singing. Uh, so they, so they get me, I think at 10 o'clock that night, I got a, uh, they sent me over the music and, and a CD. And we're, you know, we're in this little hotel in Iowa. They don't have CD players. <laughs> you know. Yeah, right. So I had to call her back and say, I can't play the CD. There's no, you know, Oh, oh, okay, we'll find something, you know. So it was like, you know, midnight, and I'm thinking, man, you know, I mean, I've, I've a three-hour jet lag. I've got to get up at 5 a.m., you know, supposed to know this song. You know, and then the, you know, then they said, and this actually was my fault, because honestly when I read the script and it said, you know, girl on a bike, I, I sort of thought it meant she was like on the back of a motorcycle or something. Oh. I didn't realize that she was on a, you know, a Schwinn. <laughs> so, you know, I get to the set, you know, and they go, oh, you need to go talk to the stunt coordinator. And I'm thinking, okay. And so I get over there, you know, and he goes, so Lynn, are you all ready to ride the bike? And I'm like, um... Well, I rode a bike about, I don't know, maybe 50 years ago. <laughs> I rode a bike. I don't think I've been on one really since. You know, and they were like, you know, all freaked out. You know, it's like, oh my God. You know, now I don't have the song. I haven't ridden the bike. Oh my you know, God. It was, it was just, uh, so now I've got to learn, you know, how to ride this bike. And, and not only that, but I have to come up out of this alley. Yeah. Way where they're they're pushing me, the crew is pushing me up this alley, and then I've got to hit the beam of sunlight on the exact line of the song, and then come as close to Timothy Oliphant as I can before I, you know, am riding down the street. Right. And so it, it was actually quite a lot of stress and pressure because I definitely would have learned the song way in advance and I would have gotten on a bike and practiced right a little bit so I was I was kind of amazed you know by the fact that I wasn't told those things crazy you know. but other than that you know we I think we did it oh I don't know how many times we did it but we did it quite a few <laughs> and eventually got it you know no banged up knees no, no banged up knees on this one, but <laughs> but I they I had my thermal underwear on. I had blue jeans and socks and a shirt and a jacket and everything. And then Breck said, "No, no, no, that's all. That's all wrong. That's all wrong. Put her in a sleeveless summer dress. Um, put her hair in pigtails or pony, you know, two ponytails. And it's like you know, thirty degrees." So, <laughs> And now, you know, I can't wear a thermal, like, you know, I'm in oh, this little no. cotton dress. I mean, it was freezing. <laughs> so, you know, after every take, you know, like three people would like running over, you know, and throwing blankets all over me and everything, you know. Oh, my and God. So it was, um, it was uh, interesting. But, you know, it was an honor that they asked me to be in it because I was the only, uh, you know, original person to be in it. Right. And, even though it was a small little role, I cannot tell you how many fans have told me 
that when they saw that, <laughs> they didn't even know I was in the movie. But when they saw that, they immediately knew it was me, and they said that they stood up and started yelling. Yep. And I thought, wow, that's so incredible. So well, it was that, great. It was a good scene. I mean, it's a small scene, but it's an impressionable, memorable scene. So. Right. And it was in the trailer, too. You know, they, yep. They in the trailer, and so that was pretty fun. Well, the next film I first contacted you on Facebook um, is called Next Door in 2010. Now, I interviewed <laughs> Sal Lizard, and I was the first person to actually, I think you were second or first, however, to see this film as it's finished. And uh, I told Sal that Lynn's asking for a copy to watch, so that's probably how you got the copy of the film. But he wanted to keep it really hush-hush, and I liked this film. Now, my wife doesn't watch much, much horror at all, but mm-hmm. the family and us watched this. And my wife was so amazed by your character in the film. <laughs> no offense, the first thing she says, man, she's a creepy bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, uh, that character was pretty creepy. <laughs> but I liked the film. Yeah, I loved her. She was great. She was here, you know. But now, what was your experience with Sal and Andrew Sawyer in this one? Um, you know, um, I love Sal. You know, he's great. I mean, he's Santa Claus. My God, yeah. how can you not not love Santa? Um, we had we had a we had a fun time together. I mean, we shot in New Hampshire, and, or I, I think we were in New Hampshire. I flew into New Hampshire. I'm not sure where we drove to to shoot, but. Um, but um, uh, you know, I, I I enjoyed working with Andrew. I, I found that Andrew sometimes would you had to be a little bit careful with him because if you if you told him you didn't understand something, he would sort of like he would think he lost you or something. It would be uh. like he, he didn't quite know exactly how to verbally communicate what he would want and I mean I don't need a lot of verbal communication I just had a couple of questions you know about something that didn't seem quite right but you know he was like oh my god I've, I've lost you and I was like no you know no just, I'm just asking a you know a little question here um, but yeah but you know again mostly they just kind of let me do my own thing I mean I know that sounds kind of egotistical but you know, I've been in this business a long time, and I've done years and years of theater. I mean, even the ten years that I didn't work as a film actress, um, I did you know play after play after play. All my all my training is theater from New York and right. summer stock, and you know everything. And so, I don't need really a whole lot. You know, I, I get kind of a handle on what I think it is, and then I just sort of let my instincts you know, carry me through, and, you know, and for her, I just kind of thought she just should appear to just be so happy, <laughs> and, know. you know, just like this neighbor, you know, the nosy neighbor, you know, yeah. but, of course, in my mind, I kept thinking Ruth Gordon, you know, from Rosemary's Baby, yes. that was, you know, my person I was kind of working off of, and... Uh, and then because she's just so, like, over-the-top friendly, <laughs> and this, this, this creepy quality just yes. you know, comes out of her just naturally. Yes. So, I like that. You know, yeah, it was great. And the lovely girl that that I worked with, you know, was, you know she was delightful. And, yep. And you know, we had a great camaraderie together. And so it was, it was a great experience. Nice. The next film, I think, is probably one of the most abnormal, weirdo, crazy. Uh, it's I'm speechless. It's the super in 2010. The character uh-huh. that you played in this movie, I am not going to say too much because people who didn't see it, but Lynn, this movie, the role that you played in this movie was brilliant the story that how it was written I thought was brilliant I mean I don't know I was speechless when I watched this film I loved it what was your experience in this film 
Well, I met Brian um, and Evan. I was at Chiller Convention in New Jersey, and um, actually, I think Brian told me he came back to my table like three times to buy like you know different pictures, and he thought for sure I was going to think he was like a stalker or something. <laughs> and um, he, you know, he told me he was a director, you know, and I, you know, said, well, you know, have you done anything? And, he said, oh, we did this film called The Turnpike Killer. And I said, oh, well, you know, you should let me, you know, take a look at it and for doing anything else, you know, or whatever, you know. And so I can't remember if they mailed it to me or they, no, I think they actually gave me a copy of it. And I didn't watch it for a while. And then I was just one night, I was sitting around, and I was thinking, you know, I should take a look at that film. <laughs> So, I, you know, I watched it, you know, and I was like, I mean, the, the first scene, I was like, you know, holy shit, this is, like, really brutal. I mean, <laughs> brutal, brutal film, you know, women, you know, in the basement with balls in their mouths, and, you know, wow. I was thinking, am I going to be able to, you know, I have sit through a lot of stuff, but, you know, I do have a... Sometimes I have a, a line, although that line has increasingly gotten bigger and bigger. Um, but I did. I watched the whole thing, and I thought, you know, this is really, you know, it's their first film, and obviously there was some some things about it that could have been, you know, more professional had they had more money. Right. Um And they told me what their budget was, which I won't mention, but when they told me, I thought, Wow, you know, you did that for this, and then you, you know, you have, uh, you know, a lot more money for the super. And so I thought, you know, yeah, I'd like to work with, with the two of them. I mean, right. I thought they were, they really had something to say. And, right. um, and then I, you know, I read the script and all, and, uh, I'd never played, you know, a woman in a wheelchair before, which was challenging, and uh, she was from Queens, so I got to yeah. use a little bit of an accent, which, you know, I've always found uh, really encouraging, and um, I, you know, again, without going into too much detail, because I don't want to give anything away, um, but I try to make her in the beginning kind of... Uh, nondescript, right. uh, which is why I have the hood over my face and the colors that I wear are, are all very kind of muted. And as her character uh, begins to grow in the movie, she begins to have more color and more life. And when we get to the scene where we dance, you know, I'm like in bright red. Yeah. And you know, so that, those were all my ideas to kind of, you know, that was my handle that, that I got on her that helped me to then create who I thought that person would be and who she would be to him. Right. And actually, they, they just screened it at the Texas uh, Frightmare um, convention, and... Um, unfortunately, it screened opposite Michael Bean's film, so... We didn't have a lot of people. Right. Uh, I think the film is brilliant, too. And I think Alex Lagonis, who produced it, uh, did a lot of work editing it and uh, tweaking it, putting it together. I mean, I think all three of them, you know, did a great job. And, and I'll tell you, I learned, every single film I do, I learn uh, a lot about each experience because each experience is completely different and this particular experience was much more of a family kind of thing in as Evan's son and Brian's son were both on the set and around a lot right and so we were we were always having to deal with um, you know children who get excited and they start to play and they start to make, you know, too much noise and you have to cut and you have to do it again and, you know, again and, you know, shut up, I'm coming in there, you know, and, 
And but it was, you know, I, I just always think, wow, you know, it's just so great to be a part of this and to to help to fulfill these people's, you know, dream of what they're trying to do. You know, and in this particular case. Dimitri and I would rehearse with the kids running through the living room, and the two of us would sit there and rehearse our scenes together. And it was just a, it was a great experience. And they're wonderful people. I adore them, and I'd love to do another film with, with all of them. Nice. Now, there's a director that uh, you had a small part. You're a talent agent, but you also have a new film that he's working on that he's done now. But James Balsamo, hack job. Yes. And his newest one, I Spill Your Guts. Now, I interviewed James Balsamo. He seems to be, to me, an up-and-coming director. I mean, I know people who've seen Hack Job. Don't, I mean, uh-huh. if you don't, we don't understand the, the style of filmmaking that he's doing, then you won't get it. But I reviewed it. I enjoyed it. But your experiences with James Balsamo in both films. Um. We shot in the living room, and it was great fun. I mean, what what a, you know, kind of wild, funny agent she was. And and he was, he was so funny to work with. And, you know, I mean, I'd grab his face and knock him around, and he just, he was just delightful. Yeah. And then I guess he decided that, I think it's the weather girl. I actually haven't seen, I, what is it, I spit on, but... I spill your guts, uh, weather report. Right, I spill your guts. Yeah. I haven't seen that, but I guess Me what neither. he did was he took my character of the weather girl that was supposed to actually be in Hack Job, and so he put that in. Okay. I spill your guts. Okay. So, but I love him. I mean, I had a great time working with him, and you know, and he just let me, you know, go crazy, and he just did a whole bunch of fun stuff. We were laughing and, so I mean, uh, he's adorable. Right. I have yet to see that film yet. But, um... That's, you know, I love fans. They're the best. And I love you, Ben. But, um... All right. Well, you take care. Let me know when it's going to be on. If you need anything else, let me know. Thank you, dear. Take care of yourself. It was great. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.